I am your host. You might know me as an editor of Pop Matters. You probably know me as the host of this podcast, which is really cool because The Chartographers is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people where we take every album from a particular artist's discography and we rank them worst to best and forget the rest. I don't know. We don't have a slogan yet. We're working on it. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, guys, we're working. We have a very exciting episode today. We have one of the biggest rap artists of all time, and by all time I mean since 2004, uh, and we're going to go ahead and rank his discography, but in order to do that... We have to have a very special litany of guests. Of course, first, as always, is the co-creator of this podcast, Taryn O'Reilly. Taryn! What's Hi. up, peeps? And, what's up, jerks? How you doing? <laughs> uh, and also, this is a this is the podcast first. This is the first for the chartographers. Our very first returning guest. Uh, he Woo! passed the audition. He did so well. Uh, we decided to let him produce our album and use J- Jackson 5 samples. And now we're going to give him his own solo career at Rockefeller. Guys... It is John Harvey. Hello, everybody. Hi, John Harvey. How you doing? Hey, Evan. I'm really glad that you used uh, that you used the all time. With Kanye, it's important because you'll never hear anybody declare all time more yeah. than Kanye West. No, <laughs> right. the most all time declaring of all time. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, guys. We were talking about Kanye West, Kanye. The, the Donald Trump of rap music, and we have so much to say because let's be real here. It's uh, so this terrible, is, but it's so. Oh, accurate. I know. I feel. I mean, it's kind of like why? Why is this the thing? that's happening but here's the thing about it guys is that um in a very short amount of time he has become one of the most influential voices and one of the most influential like leaders of what rap music can and should be he's redefined the definition multiple times over and whether or not you love him or find him absolutely insufferable and really it's one of the two uh he is still inarguably an influential figure which is why we are going down the rabbit hole today uh, so for guys who are listening for the first time yes as mentioned before we are going to rank every album from worst to best but before we do that we need to first talk about what precisely we are ranking. Because for Kanye West, there's a couple qualifiers. First off, there's his seven, as we like to say, core albums. There is, of course, 2004's The College Dropout, 2005's Late Registration, 2007's Graduation, 2008's Detour from The Sound He Had Previously, 808's and Heartbreak, 2010's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, 2013's Yeezus, and 2016's The Life of Pablo, which apparently is still in progress. That's the current That's the current estimate. As of today. As of, I mean, but... But here's the thing. Literally this as of morning. Like, as of, or I think like last night before we declared this, there's, yeah, Life of Pablo is now one song longer. Yeah, I know. St. Pablo Jesus was released. Christ. Yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah. coinciding with yeah. the announcement of his tour, which is just, we're, you know, we're going to get into that there. Uh, but there are a couple qualifiers you need to throw out there because Kanye has a very interesting discography. Uh, like for those collectors there, no, we're not counting late orchestrations. This orchestral kind of live album he did following late registration where he did a lot of his songs with the string section. We're not counting that because that's kind of a covers album, kind of a live album, we don't care, or VH1 Storytellers for that matter, but we run into two qualifiers, one I think we can pretty much not count towards this, uh, back in 2012 he did a compilation called Cruel Summer, uh, there were a couple, it was basically his label compilation there, he had uh, a couple songs there, uh, like uh, Mercy and yeah. Click, I mean uh, he was the, he was officially listed as the lead artist on, I want to say like, like eight seven or, or yeah. eight out of the twelve songs on there, but... 
I would not consider that a Kanye. I, I would too. For same reasons, listen to previous podcasts and we've dismissed other compilation style albums for similar reasons. Because he's not on every track and he's not even producing on the tracks that he's not rapping on. So I, I wouldn't call it a Kanye album. It's a it's definitely an album compilation. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, and this is actually a very contentious one here. After My Beautiful Dark Sister Fantasy, in 2011, he put out a kind of a, a parallel album with Jay-Z called Watch the Throne. A parallel album? Well, I mean, I guess collaboration album, but it's here's the collaboration thing. collaboration album. Yeah, Jay-Z, uh, for those who aren't in the know, uh, Jay-Z kind of likes doing the whole, hey, let's combine, do best of both worlds, combine stuff together here thing. And the only reason I say that is because he did it twice with R. Kelly. He did Unfinished Business, and I believe Unfinished Business, too. He did it too. once with Linkin Park. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he oh, just God, loves he his, did, didn't you know, his random <laughs> fucked up one-off albums that he has there. And so, and we were talking about, I have genuinely no idea, guys... Do we count Watch the Throne See, as part of this? My thing is, because it really is like a Kanye, it, at least what it feels like to me is a Kanye project with Jay rapping on it. Now, I know that Jay had a lot of input in what ended up in the final piece, and I'm sure he had some input like during the production process, but mm-hmm. it definitely, thematically, I think it fits after my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like you can hear a lot of the same production techniques so i would count it but i definitely i don't feel super strongly about it so if we don't want to i get it i i mean like it i guess like you for all yeah i mean it is like a you know another kanye west album but the thing is it's like not really represent like representative of kanye west like whereas everything is all such an enormous personality and it comes from yay it's it's like just kind of like a big hits album whether that makes it a kanye west album or not is kind of you know it's like its own kind of debate well here's the thing if we were doing a jay-z podcast Mm -hmm. would we also count uh his r kelly albums and lincoln park album and kanye collaboration album or would we not i think i would you want to go with it? We can lock it in. If you're, if I mean, you're... I think I, I, I mean, I guess let's lock it in because at some point, if we did have to do something like Harry Nilsson's uh, Nilsson and Newman, like that's still like that would still rank. I, I would absolutely right. count or that. Or like yeah. Evan, when you and I were just talking about Robin earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We were Jesus thinking Christ. about like yeah, yeah, yeah. No you good know, point. We're, we would have to count the EP with Rourke Sop and the EP she did with the, I forget the, the group after dance that. guy. Yeah. Yeah. The um, year after. Yeah. So like. Yeah, okay, cool. In that case, it is in. In that case, guys, we have a lineup of eight albums. Now, before we get to the down and dirty, let's kind of get a little something all squared away here. How does this work? Basically, we're going to go ahead and debate these albums uh, with all our personal preferences and points and amazing remembrances of lyrics and songs and our least favorite Kanye moments, which are plentiful. Uh, All that stuff (laughs) together. Uh, Except the thing is that when there's three of us here, we have wildly different and wildly awesome opinions. Uh, But if for some reason John Harvey's like, no, you guys are all wrong. Watch the Throne is the best album ever did and Taryn agreed with it they, they'd both be wrong but if it's two to one I wouldn't have much of a say we'd count that as number one and move on but that's not going to happen in fact here's what <laughs> is going to happen guys we are going to take our countdown of eight Kanye albums and start at the bottom of the list with number eight so guys what is the worst Kanye album that's such a hard question <laughs> surprisingly difficult um well, I mean, mine is kind of narrowed down between Watch the Thrones and the very recent life of Pablo. Yeah, and I'd say mine is a pick between, uh, yeah, Life of Pablo and um, Yeezus. 
And that being said, I'm going to go ahead and throw my vote towards Life of Pablo, and let's talk about why. Now, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Life of Pablo, his most recent album, is very much his long-in-the-works. It feels like with Yeezus, because I'm not sure if anyone remembers the promotional cycle for Yeezus, this very aggressive, atonal, death grips, almost pseudo-industrial rap album. Mm -hmm. uh, there there was like a lot of rumors like, is it coming out or is it not coming out? He wasn't really doing singles. He was doing projections across buildings all over the city. Rick Rubin was brought in to like finish the drums like a week before it had to be pressed to CD. Like This whole fucking thing happened here. And with Life of Pablo, there was this chaotic period period where no, no one knew if the album was coming out. Songs are appearing. Songs are leaving. Sia's on the album. Oh, wait, she's not anymore, but the song is remaining. Oh, he's going to do a fashion show, and people are going to try and rip the shitty audio from a fashion show. I think what bugged me most about the whole release of Life of Pablo that still kind of remains salty is how much of that release had nothing to do with the music itself. Yes. Yes. And I think that's why like, I still have yet to kind of get that taste out of there. It's like it was so much of it wasn't about the actual music. Music. Like, even down to, like, the really awesome, you know, notebook that had everybody's names oh, yeah. written on it. Uh -huh. Again, still, like, I mean, like, kind of closer than most things, but then it became about the fashion show and the breakdowns and the SNL performance. And, and whoever guesses the name of my album called TLOP, you get a free pair of Yeezus, you know, like, mm -hmm. which is something he actually did. Right, or or how he changed the name of the album very publicly, be like, seven times. I th not seven. Yeah. It was at least four, though. Yeah, there was a there shit There were four time. different titles. It started off as uh, So Help Me God. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Then it was... I would have gone with So, so Help, Help Me God, God, by the way. That's a pretty great title. Um, then it went into Swish. 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 And then it was like hashtag waves. Just I think it was just waves. It was you wavy dude, Kanye. <laughs> or was it all pop? It, it was all caps. Waves. Yeah, I think it was all caps, waves. Waves. was the... Life of Life of St. Paul. Yeah, and so, yeah, by the way, Picasso's dead. I don't know if you know that. Uh, but, yeah, so, and essentially what we had to do here is that we talk, and here's the thing. We are, what are we now? We're ten minutes into the podcast, and we spent more time talking about the build-up to the album than any of the songs on the album itself, and there's a reason for that, I feel. A lot of people, a lot of critics, and by the way, let's just get one thing out of the thing that's going to piss me off, and a lot of people are going to agree with me, hopefully, is that Kanye is one of those rare artists because he's broken so many barriers in terms of the musical landscape He's kind of a genius until proven otherwise. And you see that in a lot of critical response, a lot of fan responses too, where uh, his albums come out like, God, he's just such a genius. But you, a lot of people can't really divorce themselves from thinking of the album critically. And even when Life of Pablo came out, like Pitchfork, you know, threw out a 9.0. Oh, it's another disjointed, messy Which, masterpiece. Like, what? No. A 9.0? No. Have you listened to this album? There are good songs on it. Yeah. There are I, moments I really enjoy on I like actually would have preferred the track listing of Waves when it was... <laughs> Again, like what makes this album so much about it. Anyway, yeah, I would have preferred the track listing for Waves where you cut it down to about ten songs. Because there's a lot of actually very, very good songs on here. Yeah. But then there's actually probably some of the dullest of his and career. And some of the... I think it's the worst and also just some of the sloppiest songs he's ever I done. I mean, uh, like, Feedback... The beat for Feedback makes me want to actually, like, cut my ears out and never listen to anything that's again. That's weird. That's it's, one... Let's, let's that's get one that one as a quote. Like, I, Fans a, out there, take what Taryn just said, turn it into a bumper sticker. I know. I, it's <laughs> like, every time I hear it, the... The, like... I don't know. It's like so draining. It like actually hurts my. That ear one drums. I can. That one I can kind of deal with. I think. I think it's like. I think it's like. I'm not a big fan of highlights or lowlights. Okay, um, Father, stretch my hands. Is part two is just panda. So right. It's like not even that. 
Judge one has Pen. has the father's father stretch my as the uh the bleached, fame, infamous bleached oh, asshole. Oh my god! Yeah. And that's and I, which makes me so angry because I, actually, Father Stretch My Hands Part One is I think one of the best songs on there, and then it has that stupid fucking line, and it, like I'm enjoying like, the song. It's yeah, musically it's really good, and the production is good, and I mm-hmm. think the chorus is pretty solid, and then it's like. He talks about getting bleach on his t-shirt from this model's bleached asshole, and, and it just like, like an asshole. I look like an and asshole. And then I yeah. just like skip the song. I think what bugs me it's, more about that <laughs> makes me so mad. What bugs me more about the bleached asshole line, I and mean, actually more than that line itself, is the part after it when he goes, uh, "I don't even, I don't even want to talk about it." And I'm like, "Okay, so you just spent all this time, you spent about thirty Why? seconds rapping about this bleached asshole. Like you, you've had weeks to sit on this and decide that you didn't want to talk about." It, right. find something better to talk about. <laughs> and, and the thing is that he like sabotages himself lyrically so often that album Famous, like Famous does one thing uh, that really pisses me off, aside from his line about uh, Taylor Swift would still probably have sex with me, which is just like, listen, some people have already been like, no, he's just playing with the audience. I'm like, it's still a stupid line regardless of whether he's doing that or not. But then he also has that thing where the production agrees with him, the sample, like, because then made that bitch famous. God damn! I'm like, don't give yourself a goddamn. You've not earned your own self-imposed no, goddamn I think, on that I don't, song. I don't know if that's Kanye. I think that's, no, that's a sample. Yeah. Who did the production on that one? I can't remember. But it's, there's a there's a I think it's it's like either the game or someone like that. But no, there's definitely like they're doing hype for him. Yeah, but like, like it's all at the same yeah. time like it's just like giving yourself your own hype lines like oh damn like that's like you can't don't don't do it with some bullshit like that. Yeah. Now that being said. There are some good songs on here. 30 Hours would actually be, I think, one of his greatest masterpieces had he not decided to lazily take a call at the end of the song, which is just so stupid and indulgent and a waste of everyone's time. But even before he takes the call, though, I mean, like, he he actually, like, wrote a rap Mm -hmm. for the first, like, two and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. And then... For the other two and a half minutes, he's freestyling, and there's literally a part, a section at like three minutes in where he just goes like, <laughs> like literally, he's not saying words, and you're just like, God fucking damn it, Kanye, you're not trying at all, and like. He's he also does say in thirty hours like this is a bonus track so he definitely thinks despite that the fact that four tracks follow he it he definitely thinks that like the album ends at wolves and then yeah. the rest of it he just wanted to include because it was good but, which was a good decision because I think no more parties in L A and fade are also two of the only like listenable things on there I think well also before we since we I think we've gotten the, the there's a certain crowd that wants to hear us talk shit yeah. I think they got their oh, portion I would gladly talk shit yeah. <laughs> but like, I think uh, but like also the album does have Ultralight Beam which is also like a career highlight yeah. Uh, like, one of the... Now, Taryn disagrees on that. Hmm. Taryn's not a fan of Ultralight Beam. I'm not Beam. a fan of Ultralight Beam. I think it's just empty. It, to me, it kind of sounds like he uh, forgot to finish producing it. Or See, like, and I... I don't... And there's... Because, th- like, I understand using negative space, and that can be really effective, mm-hmm. and I think it was overdone in this track. I, I disagree. Like, and I think... And what, I, I... Yeah, I yeah, understand. And it's a really strong... I mean, the thing is, I, he talked about in the pre-release for this, this being a gospel album. And in my review, which apparently is quoted on Wikipedia, guys, FYI, <laughs> fame, fame, fame. Uh, the thing is, that in my review, I talk about how this is not a gospel album. He may think because he has a gospel choir in this song, and because there's a couple of vaguely religious references sprinkled throughout, that it's a gospel album. This is not a gospel 
gospel album, much less a gospel rap album. In fact, the guest on Ultralight Beam, Chance the Rapper, despite the fact that he borrowed so many tropes from Kanye, especially early college dropout Kanye, he later went on and put out one fuck of a gospel rap album, which was just astonishing and yeah. very much incredible in its own way. But even his verse on Ultralight Beam is so good, and I keep coming back to it time and time mm -hmm. again, because not only is he referencing lyrics from, like, Watch the Throne, and not he's referencing a lot of things in Kanye's own past, he throws out the, the line about talking about how he wants to have a good-ass job. Not a lot of people rem remember that in the pre-release rounds before College Dropout, he talked about how this young rapper had a plan for his albums. His, he was going to call his first four albums College Dropout, Late Registration, Graduation, and Good-Ass Job in that order. So the fact that he like brought that reference in, like it's just like it's fan service, but it's funny and it's just delightful. And it had it's not necessarily the same level as Nicki Minaj's verse in Monster, but it's one of the best raps on the entire album. And Kendrick's on this album too. Mm -hmm. It's a messy thing. Anyone that calls it a masterpiece, honestly, I think is lying to themselves because there is some terrible shit on here mixed with some really great stuff. But by all means, it is his most inconsistent album. But hey, if you don't like our opinion of it, I'm sure that uh, uh, next week there's going to be another bonus track on there and we can regrade the album at that <laughs> point. And we, uh, um, I do just want to mention, I actually think... Uh, just before we move on from the album, mm -hmm. I think that Real Friends is mm -hmm. uh, underrated. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't stand out at first well, listen, but it actually that. has, I think, some of his best lyrics on the album and actually, like, really has a strong, really depressing message. But it, it like... I, I think that's, like, also where it really separates him from, like, people kind of like Drake, where it's, like, I think, like, like one thing that I've always come to preach about him is, like, he's just so vulnerable all the time. And I yeah. think that's, like, him accepting that, like... I guess, like, I can see, like, why, like, my family kind of doesn't want anything... Kind of, like, doesn't, mm -hmm. like... I'm not as tight with them as I once was. And maybe, like, I don't... Do, it's, like, I don't do much to do it either. And it's, like, he's taking a certain responsibility... And yeah, I, yeah, it, yeah. It's much more poignant than I think. Like most other, like, oh, you can't trust nobody. Everybody's fake. I well, think it's, it's like, more like, damn. Yeah. And it's also, I, I mean, it, it's not his best record, but you also have to give Life of Pablo credit because he, yeah, like just like you said, he's very vulnerable. And I think for one of the first times, he admits a lot of flaws on Life of Pablo. Which is well, refreshing and, and humanizing. I and mean, he's always sort of done that. I but. think it seems more it more it seems more powerful in this one because like it's he's so like manic. he's been in so Kardashian Kanye for so long. Yeah, like yeah. this is like it's like it's a weird thing. Like maybe like that like I'm, I'm totally interpreting this, but like <laughs> Fair, maybe yeah. maybe like this is like maybe like all this isn't like really good for my soul. And like there's a lot of crap that's coming with this, even though like he spends a lot of time rapping. And it's just so like interesting that like at that point when he's like the old school kind of like I really questioning his like moralism because like yeah. Because, like, yeah, he just kind of hasn't been about that for so long. Even, like, the last two before that were really, uh, like, super all about excess and, like, like, rock, like a rock and roll lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then it's, like, it's, like, maturing. It's, like, growing out of that. It's almost like... Neil Young's on the beach. Oh yeah, <laughs> really. This is really yeah. this is probably, this is Kanye's new Young album. When you read it down, to it let's be real. My two last things before we bury this real quick. I the one line I really hated when he talks about did Yeezy just jump over Jumpman? Like, listen, just because you said did I jump over the song Jumpman by Drake and Future, saying that you did doesn't mean you did it. A, I have to point out how stupid that is. Much like the oh damn thing. The other thing I want to point out though is we all have for inexplicably forgotten to talk about the best song off there. I love Kanye. Oh, yeah. Let's be real. Especially when you hear it with the NBA theme song remix and the Seinfeld remix. 
amazing. Fantastic. Okay, guys, number eight. I on love Kanye. Kanye. Anyway. Uh, so that was number eight, Life of Pablo. Now, we clearly, I think we just got a little preview of kind of where it's going to be going. Uh, watch the Throne and 808s and Heartbreak. I kind of want to jump into 808s Heartbreaks a little bit because... Uh, Neither one, of us said that. No, he's yeah. What? No, I I will I No, you I thought you said Anyways and Heartbreakers. I, no, oh, I said no, I, oh, my I think, apologies. No, no, after, I just no, after that. the no, after this it gets weird though because I think also what's interesting about Kanye is that like what I may find my most enjoyable albums, obje- I may not find objectively his most influential albums. Yeah. Well, right. that's actually it's interesting. I've been feeling that a ton as we've been just doing this podcast various mm-hmm. artists that that's just true across the board when you start looking at them more as a critic you're like oh but this one was so influential it accomplishes mm-hmm. a lot right. even though i don't like it the best yeah and but at the same time i will there's and there's a little dictum that i kind of use as a critic too where there's a lot of things you can talk about oh this was influential for the time but mm-hmm. truly iconic music has a way of either defining the era that it's from or basically sounding like the era that it's from. There's a lot of really good 80s albums that sound like kind of the shitty synthy sounds of the 80s. And then there's those occasional 80s albums that are just so good that the songs just transcend. Because when you hear Michael Jackson's Thriller, that doesn't really sound like a dated album. That just sounds classic. That yeah. sounds, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like lived in and throw. Even Prince, who definitely sounds very 80s, you take something like Purple Rain, and that also has kind of this classic feel. I'm not saying necessarily every album needs to be Purple Rain or what have you, but there's certain albums that are able to transcend and other things that are very much kind of captured in the era that they're in. And so an album can still be fine if it's lost in the era, but at the same... Because when you really enlisted this project, listening back to College Dropout Kanye, and just listening to the production, I'm like, man, he changed so much. Kind of that yeah. thin, like, like almost electric acoustic sound that was used on a lot of rap music at All the, the time. Bongos. All the bongos. Oh, so many bongos. Oh, my God. Uh, and I, the whole reason uh, I want to point out that one person that we had in a previous podcast, Bryce Ezell, uh, he has argued many a time with me that I, and I don't want to misquote him too much, but one of his favorite Kanye albums is 808s and Heartbreak and that is one where I feel like that is kind of a time lock thing right there where in 2008-2009 we're of course following post T-Pain era where everyone's using fucking auto-tune for every goddamn mm-hmm. thing uh, for rapper turned singer T-Pain <laughs> 2006 that was the name of a T-Pain album rapper turned singer Sanga. Uh, so I know, by the way where's Parappa Sanga. It's, it's, yeah, by the way where's Parappa the rapper I thought he was going to have a gritty comeback right now hit the mixtape circuit Take down Fiddy, come on. We knew it was gonna yep. happen, but uh, like, and that was, and therefore, I feel like it became so pre- predominant uh, and so dominated the landscape, the fucking auto tune, that not only in 2009 did uh, uh, Jay Z release an album called or a song called Death of uh, Death of Auto Tune. Uh, which didn't really do all that well, but then also in 2008, Kanye put out 808s and Heartbreak, where basically, okay, let me take this gimmick that's being used in a lot of these commercial rap songs, let me find kind of the soul behind it, let me find the soul in it, and let me, if we're doing a breakup album, let me go ahead and use it as a way to distance myself to make myself sound robotic and try and find the now, heat in there. When I was just talking about what I find, what the albums I find enjoyable versus what I find the most influential, 808s, not one of my favorite Kanye's. There's a few tracks I go back to a lot, but as a whole, it's not one of my favorites but it's mm-hmm. arguably maybe the most impactful rap record maybe ever in a certain sense at least for like what's to define the trends for like the yeah, last 10 if you years look at, if you look at rap pre-808s and post-808s there is a huge shift i think it really helped define and i think it really helped influence where 
it was going. And I don't think that has to do as much with like the auto tune trends, but I think that's where you get a lot of the guys like Cuddy, who's already kind of building up at the time, and Drake, where it's not because. Though it is a hip hop album, it really isn't a rap album at yeah. all. And that's where he just like the, like the, if you have an artist that does like that kind of maybe like a trap thing, like the kind of mumbly singing thing, like kind of R and B ish thing of your track, that kind of all originates after that. Yeah, but I would point, I would, I would posit that that being said, 808s is so tied into graduation, and I would argue graduation is more influential because. This is around the time that him and uh, the person who we never were going to do a podcast about, Will I Am, uh, you know, Will I Am when he was, when, and this is a true fucking story. Don't ask me why. When he was re- filming the movie X Men Origins Wolverine, because apparently he's in that fucking movie. I've never seen it. He I will never in... do it because Will I Am is in it. Uh, but he was in Euro- Europe recording and heard a lot of kind of the basically the gestations of what modern EDM sounds like as we record this podcast in 2016. And that's kind of what Kanye did too. Where like he was like, and a lot of people were just like, oh, he's moving away from samples. I hear he's going to be moving towards synths, which is exactly what he did. But also, like, even though, like, uh, Graduation did have a number one in the form of uh, Stronger, it was really more the fact that he was bringing in a lot of different... I mean, what kind of fucking rap album sounds like Here's where... There's the thing. Graduation may be the most quantifiably or, like, measurable... It's, like, a measurable amount of influence. Like, Uh, what do you think about it? Because at the time... Like, uh, he had a public uh, dispute with 50 Cent. Oh, God, I want to talk about this so much. I want to talk about this so much. About about whose album would do better, who would get the better sales. And I think he bet something like $50 million or like... No, wasn't it? No, even better than that. They, they uh, would quit the music industry. No, 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 and that was actually Fifty Cent because at the time uh, they were, the, and for, for the record, they were buddies. Uh, they they talked about it like you know they and they were to talk about how they were gonna you know fight with music basically because when before uh, late late registration came out, uh, he wanted to go ahead and uh, I'm sorry before graduation came out, he actually played Fifty Cent like hey you need to hear my album you need to hear uh, what this sounds like and it's like what's your favorite song and Fifty said can't tell me nothing and then Kanye's like great next single that's what he wanted to put out right at the time uh but then this is also around the time that fitty was putting out his third album too and fitty by the way was outselling kanye to an absurd degree he had in the club his debut album the massacre which sold literally like eight million copies like an absurd amount and then he had uh the the, uh, the sorry that was his first one then the massacre was the second one which had candy shop and other things on there which sold also an absurd millions way more than kanye so he wanted to be like i'm gonna quit the rap industry if kanye outsells me since they had the same release date and guess what the fuck happened when Graduation and Curtis came out? Kanye outsold him by a sizable amount. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because Kanye as an artist was progressing, while 50 Cent, being kind of the gangster pop person, which really he was, uh, was doing more of the same again and again and again. Including a song I'd like to point out from there, a single called I Get Money, where he talked about getting money. And I'm not saying that the level of braggadocio by Kanye is any better, but at least it's intrinsically more interesting than like, oh, you're you're a badass, you get money, cool. There's only like so many levels you can go on there. With graduation, there's a little bit more. Wow, guys, we got off on a tangent. I completely forgot. Well, you no, know, you're right. It's because they those two yeah. tying together, and it's at that point like, yeah. yeah. What I was gonna say though is that I well yeah, graduation is hugely influential. It's like. Often cited as a lot of people's like introduction to like modern Kanye. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, college dropout, late registration were very successful, but I think they were successful like 
in certain places, and I feel like graduation was just like everyone got that. I think that's also like the victory lap of that whole trilogy. Yeah, though. totally. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's the victory lap. What I respect about this is that, like, and again, like it's so weird going like back in the soldier now, but like, uh, I, I think like if, if if you wonder why Kanye West fans will defend him to the grave, I think it's a lot of it has to do with around that time. There's like not an artist. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody that gets you as inspired as early Kanye West. Like he yeah. was, and by the time he did that, he'd made it. Like he, like he, those first albums were successful. He had already won two Grammys. He had already won like several Grammys at this point. He's one of the most Grammy-nominated artists of all time. Mm-hmm. And so Still he, no album of the year. Yeah, and he find, and so he did that, and uh, so it's like now, like a lot of the lyrics of that is kind of like. Look, I did this. You can do this too. And like it was kind yeah. of very different from like everybody rapping about killing each other, just making money and yeah, like the same totally. stuff. It was like, yeah, it seems like maybe like very common now with people like Chance the Rapper, but back then, like, holy shit, you have this guy that's like he was like Reaching the champion out. of the people at that point. Yeah, or is it the line he has in uh, called his dropout, uh, the first rapper with a Benz and a backpack, uh, which is a great which is a fantastic line, which perfectly illustrates his place in the industry of, you know, being a gangster but also backpack underground rapper at the same time, having those kinds of credentials, playing that line. And honestly, that's why 808s and Heartbreak is so fascinating because that you're right, that is a trilogy, and 808s and Heartbreak is a hard right turn. He kinda uses the same toolbox as graduation, but in a completely different way. Yeah. That it, again, it's his synth it's his, almost a synth pop album more than it is uh, and it's also a moody synth pop album too. I think I don't it's know if you even need album. to say almost. Yeah, it's totally a synth pop album. I mean, all of all of the vocals on it are processed, I, except for like, uh, it, it, interestingly, Mr. Hudson's vocals on Paranoid oh. are completely untouched. What? Yeah, Paranoid, one of the highlights. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. Oh, oh god, I love Paranoid. I, I think we all we all like. I I totally missed it at the time, but then. Uh, like a year ago, I listened to 808s and Heartbreak again, and I was like, what is this song? Because Paranoid, really interestingly, the synths on it and the way that the, the um, it probably even the drum production and the way that the vocoder is applied to the vocals totally reminds me of like five or six K-pop songs from the next year. Like 2009 K-pop sounded like 808s and Heartbreak. Like, but, to the letter. But you know what else? That song sounds like it 100% could have been on Graduation, too. Yeah. More yeah. so than any of the other things. So that's almost kind of like his candy. That's kind of like his gimme. Like, listen, if you want to deal with Love Lockdown, there's this. And listen, I know we're going to get to our number seven, but we're on a really great tangent because one other point I want to make, Taryn had this fascinating revelation in listening to 808s and Heartbreak uh, and it's a simple thing. It's a purely oh, yeah. sonic thing about a headphones album versus a stereo album. Um, I think 808s and Heartbreak, I, you know, I listened to it just this week. I listened to it on headphones and I was like, eh, it sounded kind of sloppy to me. It sounded well, very... it's just like beats and the auto-tune. It's very and almost like, jarring. Yeah. Lots of like harsh blips. In the in the vocal lines, you know Harsh where lips, like where it, they like slid between new, two notes, uh-huh. um, you know they didn't smooth any th- any of that out. But then when you put it on a, a speaker system on a stereo, it sort of like I don't know if it's the fuzz of the speakers kind of like smooths out the edges or like the 
Or even if it's the fuzz of the production, just sounds better with like also the way air he treats it, the way he treats his eight oh eight bass is also fucking ridiculous too. Like the way it's like how compressed it is. Like if you're also probably without good speakers, could sound right. horrible. Right. Yeah. And so I think maybe it's like I de- I enjoyed eight oh eight and heartbreak like markably more on speakers. Listening to it within forty eight forty eight hours of the first time, like it's a it makes a huge difference in the sonic quality of the album. I think also, since we're kind of missing on some of the music, also I think another big highlight of that, and one of my favorite Kanye West songs in general was uh, Say You Will, I think really Wait, sick. really? You, really? You guys don't like that one? <laughs> no. One oh, no, yes, wow. That is, that, I think, like, see, I don't like most of that album. No, sir. I don't no, listen to most of that full, album. Sir. I listen to that one, and I listen to Paranoid, and occasionally Love Lockdown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love I, mean, Lock, I mean, Love Lockdown... I even if I don't go to it a lot, I really respect mm-hmm. it that as a pop from. single. And it yeah, it's really um And you can so hear that primal. on my beautiful dark twist fantasy. Even, yeah, yeah, totally. even though the drum pattern is like still like especially look at like two thousand two indie music. Yeah. Everything with like the <laughs> yeah. fucking like the rolling drums. Yeah. Like even that kind of carried yeah. over and really well. You, and especially in on Love D- Lockdown, there's like the, the vocal samples at the end that are just kind of like guttural screaming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. Like, uh, but also, I mainly think of this as the album that has that one song, The Frey, covered. Uh, Wait, which song? Heartless. Frey, oh, Frey yeah. had a top 40 hit Heartless? with a Kanye West cover. <laughs> with their big piano mainstream ballad. Yeah. Heartless has not no. uh, right. aged well. You know what else hasn't aged mm. well? Fucking Robocop. Okay. Do, 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 I don't do, want do, no do, Robocop. <laughs> so, <laughs> Robocop is actually... <laughs> Uh, Robocop is hilarious to me because it's okay obviously it's a garbage song and we can all just say that outright however however I think Kanye agrees with us if you listen to his vocal take during the verses it sounds like he's trying to keep laughter in and also if you listen to it it sounds like an anime theme like or like the cutesy or like a cutesy Hmm. like schoolgirl concept that k-pop groups do like it literally sounds like like j-pop mm. like strings and like oh yay happy like there should be like cherry blossoms throwing across and i think he just like knows it's ridiculous which again you want to speak to the testament about this album this one still is really successful though. it like, was this, like, yeah this no this has, i mean this, this had multiple huge hits off that like that, that was still like one of the number one records in the country for a while but at the same time we talk about its influence and i still and really hard pressed to call it a great album. Fair. Mm-hmm. No, That's the thing too. Right, I mean, though, we're getting really excited it's... talking about it, but in in all honesty, I'm not only not going to put on Welcome to Heartbreak or Coldest Winter, you know, well, anytime yeah. and that's, soon. That's the thing is that we really, I think, uh, clearly, all three of us really like parts of this album, mm-hmm. but then it's it's really inconsistent. And I, I, I'd it goes, say, I think it goes back to that dictum that we've had on other albums before. Yeah. It's an album I can appreciate way more than I actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I think the only last thing that I want to say about it is actually one last song, Streetlights, off of 808s yeah. and Heartbreak. Um, if you take away the crunchy production, which is just like slathered in a thick layer over the whole thing, it's basically a... Um, a piano indie rock ballad. 
It's Set, like complete well, with a harmony swell in the third act. Since we're about 20 minutes in without probably ranking. Well, we ranked well, one. We ranked uh, one. Um, oh, actually, wait. no. Here's the funny thing about this, guys. For those who are followers of Chartographers, uh, this is the longest we've gone between album rankings because we're actually 35 minutes into the podcast at this point right now. <laughs> wow. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break and be right back and settle this, all right? back okay guys i'm not sure if you heard our uh our master's theses that we did on uh synth era kanye but uh we are now going to come here with number seven now we kind of previewed it a little bit before but let me just hear real quick john harvey what do you nominate i'm gonna go seven? with watch the throne okay we need to talk about watch the throne a little bit yeah there. now that one is it's a fascinating it's fascinating because um aside from I mean, it opens with no church in the wild, and here's the thing: it's a lot of people talk about how this, and even in the lyrics itself for Otis, they talk about this as luxury rap, and that's really what it is. Like, it's decadent, it's goofy, it's over the top, which is, I think, exactly what it needs to be. It is not like a lasting album. It's not necessarily like a like a heartbreaking, powerful, you know, like you change your life kind of album. But it is just really, really fun. Otis is really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, but then you get into, I mean, of course, uh, N-Words in Paris, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to say that, N-Words in Paris, uh, that one is also an incredible song, which when they did it in Chicago, they did seven times in a row. Well, it became a, yeah, yeah it became a competition from, like, city to city, how many times you could do it, and I think it eventually ended with Somewhere between 11 and 13 times back to back by Which, the end of the yeah. tour. Right. But the crowd loved the shit out of that boy in production. Like, legit. Mm. Uh, I mean, I would. Yeah. It's, oh, dude, yeah, I wouldn't care. I mean, like, even like when the song came out, it's only a two minute. Like, well, the only part I listen to is the two minutes. I don't care for, like, the closing synth part. Not that yeah. it's bad, but, like, all the action is on the bum bum. Yeah, and so, yeah, but like, uh, but yeah, like you're already listening to that in the in your car like twenty times back to back live. What's thirteen? Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think No Church in the Wild is possibly the best. No, not the best opener he's ever done, but it's up there. Yeah, you know, it's. I I think it's a a really strong way to like introduce this really. Uh, pretty intense album honestly yeah and i also really love that's my bitch yeah that's I my bitch is a great that's my bitch is a freaking great to song all the and it has yeah such a great mm -hmm. build and like a twist ending and yeah um but here's the thing like for again for a decadent uh call the paparazzi on myself kind of album uh the times when they try and get weirdly you know pontificating philosophical just feels erroneous and weird uh like murder to excellence and made in america mm -hmm. those are i mean they're right near the back end of the album and like listen i know for the album they wanted to record in the same studio at the same time for every track while they went on this tour like they, that was one of the things they did but i just it's just like do, this doesn't feel like the time to do that like it doesn't i i hear the songs i don't hear necessarily the emotional intent behind it and you really when you even get into murder and excellence when is talking about the situation in Chicago, it's like, okay, this is interesting. I kind of feel like this is a downer on this album for, you know, something, uh, yeah. an album about toilets. Watch the throne. But, uh... <laughs> Damn it. I know, but at the same time, Why I Love You, I think, is also one of the most, more underappreciated songs yeah. on there. That is, like, I just, really... it's a tacked-on at the end, but, like, it's just fantastic. I don't know that I'd call it tacked-on. It's, it's just a closer. It, yeah, so, I don't know, that's just my, my thing. But, yeah, and I think about Otis, I think about even Liftoff, which is kind of, I kind of feel, have weird feelings about Liftoff. I have versus a... our, like... 
I have a soft spot for Liftoff because it was in a in a warm up playlist for like a two month camp that I did. Um, so I heard it like every day for a little bit, and I really like um, the the drum shift at the end mm-hmm. and the whole sort of like spacey. I mean, after after the song lifts off, that whole the way you know, quite like, literally, you know, it's like produced like you're you feel like you're floating, and I don't know. I think it's um, there's some really ingenious stuff on there. Yeah, uh, which is why I would actually say slightly less enjoyable than Watch the Throne is Yeezus for me. Um, yeah, I really enjoy Yeezus. But it doesn't have any, like, great pop moments on it, like Watch the Throne does. I'm... For me, for me, I think Black Skinhead is a really great song, and I love listening to it, and it's produced ingeniously. Thank you, Daft Punk. You know, the, like, shuffling rhythm well... and the, and the like, vocal samples that are, like, you know, kind of undulating. Like, I think it's really cool, but I don't ever want to listen to it. But him. here's the thing about Yeezus, is that, I mean, Yeezus is such a sharp turn for him uh, in terms of kind of adopting this Death Grip-style, like, aggressive, pseudo-industrial sound for, uh, that he was doing. Mm-hmm. But what he was doing with it is way more important. And I reviewed this, too, and I got so much shit when my review of this ran. Uh, and uh, But I think I just, mainly because I called it like it is. What he's trying to do is he basically was trying to create almost, like, bring back rap as protest music in a much more visceral, impactful way. Uh, and when you hear that on Black Skinhead, when you hear that on New Slaves, uh, and you, there's these incredible moments, uh, Blood on the Leaves, where it's just, it is deeply impactful. And yeah. he acknowledges his perch and his status in the industry as this, you know, very rich and successful rapper, but he kind of gets conflicted about it. And there's some, I mean, there's some dark brooding shit on there, but there is so much intent and power in that album that he fucks up so horribly with his just blatant, horrible misogyny. And listen, he's had misogyny before. I get that. Here it's just overt and just unnecessary. What I, and I, I like, this is again, like, we talk about why people excuse Kanye's behavior mm-hmm. find, like, like in a nitpicky way. Yeah. Like, I get, what I, I am fascinated by the, the whole production of that album. The reason mm-hmm. why I would put that above Watch the Thrones is just because, like, there's the songs on there, like, the variety of, like, weird, like, the super yeah. punk rock, noisy as fuck production. Yeah. Like, uh, like, I know this is probably the most divisive Kanye West song of all time, but my favorite is probably On Sight. With that weird it's fucking like, Daft Punk, like, that Daft Punk, like, fucking... Like, how do you choose to open up an album with the weirdest, gnarliest, grossest synthesizer to get into, like, the whole, like, the whole... Cr- this whole crux of just fucking, like... The thing is, like, it. why I excuse, like, some of the misogyny, like, the last time you were able to excuse that from a critical <laughs> standpoint... Yeah. Um, was that, like, uh, it's almost... That album is almost more impressionistic. I mean, he wants you to say, like, oh, it's real, real, but no, it's all, like, fucking, like, character... It's almost like, like it's like this. If you want to be almost as like this, a play like the way like how like fucking like, it's like almost archetypical. Like every time he tries like talking about like coming from a certain point. Yeah, and I gotta disagree highly on mm. that uh, because I think that if it is as a character, and I can see a lot of people making for the argument for that, it is a poorly construed character. It is sometimes barely distinguishable. And as a I character. don't, di- and I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying, <laughs> right? That, yeah. And there's a lot of people that will then just uh, default excuse it, like, no, 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 he's just kidding, man. He's just cool. <laughs> you know, he, t- he really doesn't want to go into your Hampton house and you know put his dick in your wife's Hampton house. Yeah, just mouth, like you know? <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't want to be president. You know, just totally, I totally, but it's just it's excuse. 
the th- and like, that's what you say. For every genius line on this album, there is an equally ungenious line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Like, By uh, the way, guys, we made an order during that break just there. Have our croissants shown up yet? <laughs> I'm waiting, and I don't know where they are. It's just upsetting. Right. And, uh, and see, that's the other thing, is that while well, Watch the Throne has some, like, eh, on its second <laughs> half, Yeezus... There are parts of Yeezus that are, like, aggressively bad for me, mm-hmm. and he, it also has some of the worst lyrics he's ever put to tape. And so bound. I just, like... Also, <laughs> Bound 2 is, like... Bound, speaking of aggressively terrible... Bound 2, which, I don't know, the the chorus, the, like, I know you're tired... I, 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 I'm not sure if it's in a different key from the rest of the song, but it sure sounds like and it. And also, the it's it, so jarring every time it comes in. It's just so sloppy. That sample isn't even like that. Like that is it's, it's all just Ponderosa Twins plus one. Like it's not. I'm not even sure if he did like a treatment Anything. over. Yeah. It. I think it's just literally. I mean, but that album just feels like. I mean, even on on site where he's just like, you know, here's how little I care, and then random sample. And then back to like he just kind of like he yeah. deliberately fucks with you. But then like you get then you get some lines like fucking uh, like uh, you throwing contracts at me. You know these n words can't read. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, and, like, I like no Lou Reed loved that when he reviewed it for Talk House. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the last things he did. Before I think he died. I think that's like one of I don't know for me that's like a standout line of mm-hmm. like that whole like I think it's like one of the more successful political statements on the album. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why when we have the debate of Jesus versus Watch the Throne, don't get me wrong. Watch the Throne is way more entertaining as an album and way more fun, and there's a lot more takeaway songs on there, but. For intent and for purposes of what it tries to do, even if it's not wholly successful, I will give Yeezus the edge on that mm-hmm. because it is that much more... It, he has never been as... I I would argue it's his most ambitious album, and mm-hmm. I do not love this album, okay. but mm-hmm. I will go ahead and place the argument it is his most ambitious album. And I think that's fair. So, okay, guys, in that case, are we in agreement that Watch the Throne comes in at number seven and Yeezus at number six? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, there we go. All right, guy. Wow, that is awesome, and that's incredible. And it, guess what? It's only gonna get really fucking hard now because we have five albums left. What are the albums? Glad you asked, John Harvey. Call to drop out, late registration, graduation, eight oh eights, and my beautiful back twisted fantasy. Woo! Number five. Number five. Hmm. Taryn. You know, for me, I'm gonna give two. Okay. It's between. College Dropout and 808s and Heartbreak. Heavy sigh from John hmm. Harvey. No, no, no. Actually, he kind of... I, I, I'm in the same... Between... Yeah, I'm in the same point. It's between okay. 808s and College Dropout. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the yeah. Okay, so really briefly, I want to talk about College Dropout because when that album came out, uh, the second it landed... Everyone called it a masterpiece. Everyone said, because it was the debut, no one knew who Kanye was at the time. I was just like, guys, this is like funny, jokey, forward-thinking rap in a completely different way. He had the co-signs of all the... Of all the intelligent rappers, he had to- most Def, Talib Kweli. He was yeah. working with everybody who was an Electric Common, Lady Land studio yeah. at the time. And you know what? That's all still accurate. Mm-hmm. It's still a pretty great album. And mm-hmm. it still has a lot of... I mean, it... 
it doesn't sound a ton like anything that came before it. It you know a little bit obviously, yeah, but I mean, a lot of those took, were Kanye. He took a lot of kind of like RZA from like, RZA from Wu Tang. He did a lot of the chopped up, sped up sample things, but Kanye put it in a commercial context. Yeah, so exactly. much better. You can really hear it on his production on the Blueprint with Jay Z. But he then here it, he made it. A lot he made more it palatable. a lot more, and, and a lot of people still yeah. a lot of people still swear by that. That's his best album. I'm not sure. We, let's see. But, we're not at that point, right. but a good chunk of people still say. That's his best. Uh, let's uh, let's briefly talk about it because here's the thing. Here's an album where I would say when we have the College Dropout versus 808s debate, um, there are eight way too many songs on College Dropout and mm-hmm. also way too many skits. And when I say way too many skits, I mean way too many. It's skits. a 24 album with about five or six, including skits. tracks 16 and 17. School Spirit skit two goes into another skit, little Jimmy skit. <laughs> he has a skit after a skit, guys. This is a thing that right. has happened. Uh, <laughs> right. But I will excessive. say. The highlights on the college dropout are better than the highlights on 808s because yeah, I, that's a hot take. I, hot take. Taryn may disagree, for, but here's yeah. the thing: although we're kind of jaded onto it because it just becomes so much enmeshed in rap culture as it is, Jesus Walks is still a f- that's the that's the song that sold me. By the way, on Kanye West, that's when I first heard mm-hmm. that. I'm like. Shit, guys, this is so completely I don't know. different. From I think anything I had ever. already lost my faith by 2004. <laughs> So I and it's not not that it's a bad song, but yeah. I specifically have like association. I have like a grudge against Jesus Walks because I think I just heard it at like a really and that's fair. bad time, right? Exactly. But I I I don't like listening to it, and I think not. I mean, you do make a good point. There are even. I mean, I love the highlights from 808s. Yeah. But there are just so many more highlights on college. Slow Dropout. Jams is still mm. a classic to this day. I mean, don't get me wrong, the light school light skin friend looks like Michael Jackson line is great, but can we talk I love about, that line. I know, and also um, let's talk about I mean, it's so it's he's never been as goofy as he has here. I'm gonna play this Vandross, you're gonna take your pants off. Like just beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. I also love Ludacris as the choice for the Breathe in, breathe for out. Breathe in, breathe out. I don't know that? anyone else who could have sold that hook like that. Yeah. The, and that the production on that track is really great, too. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you want to talk about so many skits. Another One of my favorites on the album, Get Em High, featuring Tal, uh, Talib Kweli, even features kind of its own skit in yeah, this yeah, song yeah. when he calls up Talib Kweli yeah. to convince this girl that they're friends so he can sleep with her. Again, so even in the album, you might find brief skits. There's, like, bonus skits. It's like Inception <laughs> skits well, inside does, this album. In a way, he kind of does that during workout plan, too, when he has... <laughs> all the like yeah. the, confess- the confessionals or yeah, the, yeah. oh the testimonials testimonials I'm Allie Mae from Alabama yeah Rolling you know plane. that kind of feels like the same thing yeah uh, side note uh, new workout plan is fantastic new workout Ooh, plan yeah. is amazing <laughs> that's my I didn't know that song before like a month ago when I was first like okay we're gonna do um, this Kanye yeah. but like also you, like, we wouldn't talk about the the influence of uh, the influence of college dropout I mean I think all of that can even just be stated in its opener we don't care yeah. like it's just like it's it's dealing just to get high stacking money till you get sky and while there have been, uh, while there have like you know, you did have like Common. You've had like Tom Quali, Mo stuff, Blacks. Like you had all these, yeah, other, yeah. you had all these other people, like the Roots. Other people kind of had been that before, but nobody had been as successful on a mainstream level. No, none of nobody single had gotten as big as uh, gotten as big as Jesus Walks. 
Uh, what was the other big one, the other big ones that were? Uh, uh, I mean, Slow Jams is still one of his best selling. Yeah, songs. New Workout Plan yeah. was a single that he put out as well. Through the Wire so was the other major lead. Single and that was there. the one that yeah. came, I think, from the EP before. Right, but then then they did the video for it, a shitty video, by the way, uh, because literally yeah. a lot for a lot of people, their introduction was just. Oh, this guy with his jaw wired shut? Is that like a gimmick? Is that like, you know, no mm. one really knew what that was, but they're just like, guys, his jaw's wired sh- shut and he's still throwing up punch lines. It's great. And while I, like, while it may, it's a kind of a pretty low quality video, I still say, is there kind of like still like an iconicism to that? Like, I still like very strongly remember that video, even yeah. though it's like a really, like, it's not great. Like, yeah. but like, I, it's like, sti- it's very impactful. Like, guys, Rockefeller like, afforded MS Paint for a whole video, okay? It's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, uh,. But when yeah. he touch at the end when he touches his poster, Shaka Khan. <laughs> oh, Kanye. Uh, well, that being said, we talked about it a bit. Um, I would say, our, I think we're in agreement, amazingly. I'm actually kind of surprised. Could we put 808s at number five and Collins Dropout at number four? Yeah. Can yeah. we do that, guys? Wow. Yeah. I mean, we listen, you, remember that first half hour when we just talked about albums just nonstop without ranking anything? Uh, I think we was well deserved. Yeah, we got some good. This. We got some good discussions. Except about. here's the problem, though. <laughs> now, we are at the top three, and the top three, not to put any pressure on us, is late registration, graduation, and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. So I'm not sure if you guys know that. Those are relatively well-regarded albums, uh, and you know, just because I want to kick off the discussion here, and because I'm an asshole, John Harvey. See, like again, this like <laughs> returning to like what I enjoy the most versus most influential. Like uh, I don't. Well, like, here's the thing, and the most influential thing, I get that. Yeah. But we're ranking the best, and the thing and is, so, a best will be a generally a mixture of influence and your favorite. Yeah. And so the one, I, the, the album I've listened to the most still has to be Le- Late Registration, which I think is the old like Late Registration, and then next also comes comes uh i've listened like i listened to my twisted fantasy a ton but also like after like going ba- like while well, prepping for this contest like, this contest this it is podcast, a contest there's gonna podcast, be a winner <laughs> this contest uh like uh i gonna get man, fur. no like i uh graduate when listening to graduation like i feel like when i think of like that like what everything i love about kanye west and everything i feel about that i feel like is just most present on that album like the inspiration that i get from that yeah, yeah. Like, here's okay so here's my so conflict you, here's yeah. my conflict <laughs> graduation out of the our three remaining albums graduation i think has the strongest collection of not great songs i would argue mm-hmm. uh, but the highlights and the vibe that we get from that album mm-hmm. are extraordinary. I would argue like against it... that, actually. Okay. I think that the weak songs on Graduation are stronger than the weak songs on either of the other two we have left. Interesting. Okay, well, let's kind of... Guys, we've been kind of dancing around it a little bit here. Let's talk about my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was, now for the record, uh, especially for those who are vaguely unfamiliar, A, you're an hour into a Kanye podcast and you don't really know a lot about him, you're in for a hell of a trip. Secondly, <laughs> uh, this is an album that came, it came, it was an incredible thing because at the time, before this album came out, he was the most hated man in America for a litany of reasons. Well, litany of reason number one, uh, first off, there was, of course, the whole Taylor Swift incident when uh, I'ma Let You Finish, running up on stage at the VMAs, taking 
taking the mic from her as she was about to accept an award and said, you know, Beyonce had one of the greatest videos of all time. Side note, we also should have a separate thing. Listen to it in the Happy Hour mini so we would talk about how weirdly attracted he is to Beyonce over his own wife. Uh, and then, the other thing... <laughs> But the other thing is that then, of course, this is also after uh, George Bush uh, doesn't care about black people. This is after a whole litany of comments that, like, he was just kind of very politicized, very maligned. Even uh, President Obama was caught on recorded audio calling him a jackass after the Taylor Swift incident. Like, this was, he was a hated, hated man. And then he did, I think it was a VMAs or MTV Movie Awards performance of Runaway. And also, I think it's really, really, really important to mention that, I mean, we've already have covered, um, covered uh you know 808s but mm -hmm. one of the lead themes of that you know was the lead one of the lead themes of 808s was the death of his mother Donda West mm -hmm. one of the most important characters in his entire life uh, you just see like all these songs every how much is just dedicated to him she was his manager and then also uh the the separation uh, uh, he finally broke up with like really his long-term on and off girlfriend that he'd been dating before college drop before a college dropout and so at that point like there's Kanye West post Donda West is like a different person. Mm -hmm. Like you can almost like you can measure like when he got to like he's not the same person. He doesn't have that kind of moral compass, which is kind of yeah. where a lot of the stuff where the themes of twisted fantasy come from. This kind of lack of moral guidance, especially mm -hmm. without his mother, almost like defines a good portion of all like the the pain and like weird sleaziness that comes with that, or just like all like I don't want to say sleaziness, but like all like kind of like the character deficiency. Like, there's an acknowledgement of it. I think that kind of comes after this. Yeah. And, and the thing is that, for all the things that was hated, he was hated for, this album dropped and almost became intensely iconic the moment it did. Because oh, definitely. it was, it just became like his instant greatest album. It became an amalgam of so many things, one of the most ambitious things he had ever done. And I think, and here's the thing, I remember like certain publications were not afraid to be like, Perfect score, best album ever. And you know, here's the thing though, looking back at it, it is not a perfect album, but god damn it if it's still not incredible for a litany of reasons. Number one, oh, totally. one of the greatest, and here's the thing, it, we only talk about it in spare moments, greatest rap verses of all time. Nicki Minaj on Monster is one of the greatest rap verses, literally, of all time. Certainly one of the most iconic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um... Made it pretty much... That's jump-started her career. Not that she wasn't, like, didn't have sex right. before, she was an up-and-coming like, already, yeah, but she, that... Right off that the mixtape circuit, her, and the album dropped light. two weeks before her album, Pink Friday, came out, and uh, th that fucking verse, as everyone talked about, uh, it was just very... It was huge. It was fucking huge that's true. at the time. It was better yeah. than... I mean, it was better than anything else on. And also, Pink Friday, better than anything heard she's it. ever. Done. Yeah, uh, it's the best. I mean, it's literally the best verse she's ever recorded. Yeah. Um. So, any, but there's that. But then, I mean, we can talk about that. We can talk about all the lights. We can talk about the song that hooked me was Power, and just that fucking yeah. just the, the mm. sheer pure rock anthem. That, that I mean, was. also just like researching production on this song, like it's just so cool. Like listening to Mike Dean like going through the process of matching the of matching the guitar tone from the King Crimson sample to make it like the guitars, the overdub guitars sound like they're an extension of the sample. Mm -hmm. It's like all this crazy. There's some crazy production just going on yeah. here. Yeah. The when you listen to all of life, 
If you you if you go on the Wikipedia page, you might have noticed that there's about 16 guest stars. There's a point where he he there were so many people that worked on this track and came over and did attempts on this album that instead of just settling on one, he divided. You'll find that certain segments will use up to three different iconic musicians at a time. Yeah, yeah. here's that's, he does that he does and, that on yeah. all of the lights, especially. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there is like 12 guest vocalists or something featuring yeah. El like that. Elton John intro intro by Elton John yeah, yeah. intro is... by Elton John and obviously Rihanna sings on it but mm -hmm. then it has a rap verse by Fergie it has a bridge by Kid Cudi and then it has a section where it's like I want to say it's like Alicia Keys and Ellie Jackson or LaRue and can I can I tangent real yeah. quick about yes, that please, so please, have you please. noticed that like when you talk about how Fergie's on there Kanye West does kind of have this tendency to buy like low budget people of like more famous people at the time like if you think about like kind of like I don't get why unless he couldn't get Rihanna to finish like the time when he had that thing that's assumption but like why he gets Fergie to do that to basically sing like Rihanna she's kind of like budget Rihanna for that point. And then, like, he has We're designer on line. Life of Pablo who's just kind of budget future. God. <laughs> Fuck yeah, designer. I'm is. trying to think. He kind, he kind of gets, like, budget artists. Like or, or, like, Pusha T. Yeah. It's kind of like... Well, from Clips? Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. But, like, he could have gotten someone more interesting for Runaway. Yeah, there are some people that love his verse on yeah, Broadway, I'm, by the way. Yeah, I really... I, I think it's... Okay. Oh, my God. I think it was, like, Coke Machine Glower talking about, like, his, uh... He'd talk about his wristwatch line was like the line of the young century, and I'm like, really? Did, did you hear that? Uh, but like, it's on the same album as the Monsterverse. Shut I know, up. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, and then you think about that. You think about, and, and I still, there are so appalled. I'm not in Devil in a New Dress or songs I'm not in love yeah, with. No. But here, I will say Devil because I got to defend this, and there's a subreddit of hip hop heads will back me up on this one. I think. I think that's the worst. that uh, right. that that Devil in a New Dress is one of the best songs of his whole career, and I will stand on that. Wow. I love that song. I am mad because Mike Dean. Another fun fact: Mike Dean is banned from the Kanye West's famous Kanye to the forums for being such a troll, and he offered and uh, in an offer to get unbanned from the forums, gave an extended version of I forgot which song off of Eight O. 808s, and then said that he he would release an extended solo for the uh, for the uh, Devil in a New Dress song, and I'm mad because he of course never released it, and now I know it exists, and I'll never see it, hear it. Uh, <laughs> side note: Can we briefly talk about uh, the sample party that went on with Blame Game? Uh, the the piano sample on Blame Game, which is something Terrence not a huge fan of. I no okay so blame Ooh. game the problem with blame game is I actually really do like that mm -hmm. song I think it's a very pretty song and I think it's one of the most poignant things that Kanye has ever recorded I, I think that I, his lyrics I, on it are pretty consistent and it's emotional it's powerful John Legend sounds great and then you bring in fucking Chris Rock to say the most ridiculous shit it's like damn your pussy's just massaging my dick who taught your <laughs> pussy to do that. Oh, did Yeezy post to this oh, pussy? Right, like, <laughs> oh, look at this it's pussy. Like, no, I think the line is literally, who re-upholstered re your pussy, pussy. Is, the, is the line. Did he, and I'm did just he, like, I, God damn it. I, I, like, I, oh, it makes me so mad because it's so like And then you see the, it is and then then so the, fucking ridiculous. That sample, is that actually a sample of Amber Rose going Yeezy time? I have zero idea. But here's the uh, thing, the sample of that, that pretty piano part, Here's the thing about that. That is Aphex 
Twins, uh, April 14th from his Drugs album. Uh, and funny enough, you know who tried using that sample like three, four years earlier? Uh, the Lonely Island on Saturday Night Live. They had a song, <laughs> a song with Adam Levine called I Ran So Far Away. Uh, and they used that sample, but they didn't get clearance at all, which is why it doesn't appear on any of their shit. But then Kanye's like, I like that. I'm going to say And Richard D. James of Apex Twin licenses that sample one of the only times he's Actually, ever... that's not true. Oh. He, uh, he, oh. They, they actually contacted, they contact Kanye West. He said he, they wanted to use the sample. His party, his part, Kanye West team contacted him. Richard said, don't use that one, let me, like, rearrange a different one. They didn't care and just stripped the original one, and then he's like, nah, I don't approve, and they used the sample anyway, and he sued them, and they settled out of court. Oh. See, guys, this is why John Harvey's here. This is, <laughs> correct me when I'm just spouting off some crazy old bullshit. Well, I mean, it, that was Side note, Cindy Lauper recorded eight songs this album, all of them cut. Back me up on that. That didn't happen. I'm just making that up. Uh, also, Who Will Survive in America? Like Lost in the World. Uh, fucking great closer. I um, love yeah. That. Yeah, that is so good. And here's the thing. Like, that album was like... That is the album. And here's why I think My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy... I, 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 I don't know if I could put it number three, but I might have to. Is because that is an album where, unlike Life of Pablo, and unlike, honestly, the albums that came before it, that is an album where he was at peak critical mass for attention in America, where, like, everyone was focused on him, everyone was flipping him off and hating him, and he spun that into an album. Because with a lot of pop stars, once you reach, like, a Beyonce, Rihanna-level ubiquity, you're able to sometimes parlay your own personal mm -hmm. image and personal news stories into art. You know, uh, Rihanna did that, I think, somewhat poorly with Rated R, her album post-Chris Brown incident. Uh, where she was like this dark, sinister, brooding album where a lot of people, she kind of used it in her own way, but it was just kind of just weird and dark and messy in its own way. And here, he parlayed his outsized personality into something that was relatable, where he talked about, you know, he is an asshole, but he's kind of apologetic, but not really, and Runaway is one of the most iconic songs of the young decade, I would say that. I think I'm going to question how you're framing that. Okay. Because it's not necessarily always that they're, like, using their personal issues like no but he has a certain degree of notoriety i don't know and he i feel plays like... off that he invites people into that world okay and that's the, and that's and that's the biggest thing and i feel like because he was at the point of infamy the highest mm -hmm. point of infamy he was able to do that and that's why you you can't really enjoy my beautiful dark twisted fantasy if you have no idea who kanye is in the first mm -hmm. place there has to be a little bit of buy-in but at the time who didn't know about Kanye at the time? And therefore, because of that, it's this mixture of ego and, you know, public figure and art together, which he, it, which because he's not as not notorious from that time, he wasn't able to, and to duplicate. And it's weird, like, for, like, how accessible, like, even, like, when he's, like, it's so, I find it just so wonderfully self-destructive. Like, yeah. it's yeah. a guy, it's a guy, like, I, like with, it's just basically a man with a death wish. Like, and when he does that, though, it's like, but he's with that death wish because it's Kanye West. Like you still get like the super like, like uh, like he's like even like the, the certain fashion stuff. Like there's certain like lavishness. It's like all about like the total excess and then drowning in it. And, like sometimes like you get like these really hype traditional hype rap lyrics mm -hmm. where he is rapping about that shit and then eventually it comes around and just destroys his soul yeah. about middle middle way through the album. And that's what I love about it is that like he can have his cake and eat it too the whole album. Mm -hmm. Right, and I would, and again, it's not a flawless album, but I mean, I can, you can mention any of these songs to me, and it's not like I like, hear the melody, I hear the whole song. I hear all of Power in my head. I hear all of Hell of a Life in my head. I hear, yeah. like, I hear these songs, and especially Runaway, you, like, I hear all of that. Evan, your team's full of Urkels because he wins lows. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, well, in that case, 
I gotta do the tough thing here. Taryn, number three. Oh, yeah. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Really? Number three. Okay. Yeah. Now, would you agree with that, John Harvey? You know, this is honestly, like, I don't I don't even know what to settle for that. I right? don't know. Like, I don't... it's tough. Like, we're at this point, and here, let me just we'll throw one other thing out there. Uh, in going through a process, I don't know if you know, this whole reason that you're listening to the chartographers, aside from all our terrible, terrible jokes, mainly mine, uh, is the fact that we really take what we do seriously. We listen and we research heavily before yeah. every single one that we do. And part of it is very important because, while well, I could have done this podcast, like, if it's like you woke me up in the morning ever and doing a Kanye podcast, I could have been, like, doing it, and I could have said a lot of things, and about as stupid as what I'm saying right now. But the thing is, in going back to the week before we actually record it, you reveal some things. And for some reason, uh, when I listened to all of it together, you know, together in the week mm-hmm. reading up to it, College Dropout lost a little bit of the magic that I previously kind of associated with mm-hmm. it. And late registration came a little bit more into focus for me. Yeah. That's how I felt with graduation as well. Yeah. I, I didn't listen to graduation as much and it came back. And that one, like I said earlier, I think had this certain, this certain sometimes the strongest Kanye feel when it's at its highs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think also what comes, like, why graduation probably came at fourth is that I think while the production is still, like, ahead of its own time, it's still, like, kind of part of the mold of 2004. I think when you get to grad, like, well, when you, by the time you get to late registration, and I think now's the perfect time to talk about that album, mm-hmm. is, is that production is so timeless. I think he could still, he could still release albums, that album at any point in his career, and I think it would be just as successful at any time he released yeah. that one. Hmm. Yeah, I think the thing with College Dropout is, um, like, he's using samples. Yeah. And it sounds very good. That was his crutch almost. Whereas when he moves into late registration, I mean, I think the step from into late registration is he's obviously, he has a fuller sense of producing, but also I think he has a much bigger budget. But and I, so it sounds, it just sounds smoother and it sounds like it was made on higher quality mm-hmm. equipment. And then on graduation, I think he finally takes the step and he doesn't just use samples, he creates a soundscape with the sample. Mm-hmm. And he really, it, it's a lot more fleshed out and polished. But at the same time, one thing to keep in mind, though, with late registration, one of the weirder things that he did at the time is that he brought on a co-producer for the entire album. And he brought on uh, film composer John Brion, a.k.a. the guy who did uh, a lot of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson scores. I think his big famous one was for Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, Punch that Drunk was, Love. That came, about, that came out, I think, around the same exact and time. And I Heart Huckabees and like, mm. all some other like whimsical, joyous scores like that, like... You're, wait, you're getting fucking John Brion to do this? And mainly because like he has a good sense of what strings are he, and what he's able to do with them, and he uses them rather effectively. Now, keep in mind, there's a couple you know things here. Touch the Sky, the big horn-driven sample one, uh, is produced by Just Blaze, Kanye's partner in crime with uh, the Blueprint era Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to, like, uh, get another tidbit, like, uh, what, like, behind the scenes, like, before, like, late, uh, before uh, college dropout, like, the thing was, like, you want to say, like, Wise Production kind of seems for that time. Certain people in the industry referred to him as, like, oh, you can't get Just Blaze, then you get Kanye West. And I think that's where late, regist- late registration, you want to talk about him growing, he stopped being the, the go-to not Just Blaze and then became, like, Kanye West. Like, this is, like, incomparable beats. Yeah. Nobody else can make something like this. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that there, and it's still uh, much like, it's very much the dark inverse of College Dropout. And College Dropout had a lot of different moods 
moods and themes, and was still, for the most part, kind of an optimistic album, still kind of a goofy and playful album, and here he very much explores kind of the darker side of that. Uh, you know, here, I mean, aside from, like, Addiction, and aside from, of course, uh, even Diamonds of from Sierra uh, Leone, uh, there, I mean, he talks about kind of like more social issues. He talks about a little bit more personal issues. He talks about roses. Yeah, you know, like talks about visiting his yeah. mother in the hospital. I think roses. I think is also one of my favorite Kanye West songs of his whole career too. Like I think like, it's just such a it's such a powerful song yeah, when he does it. That one, um, that was one where it was this last time through. I was going. Uh, I don't know that I love the production on that one, but I. Th- Think again. It's 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 some of the best lyrics he's ever. Written. I've used well. I've used that song to also show people that like oh like when they think he's like an just a total asshole and raps that dumb shit. Like you show him oh, roses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's a really good way to like change people's perceptions of them. Yeah, and there, keep in mind, there's still some shitty lyrics on here. A lot of heard him say is kind of like I conspiracy mean, theorist, kind of like, okay, I get it. I don't know, I'm a, I, that's a, that's, I, re, I really love that song, because I think, again, like, you want to talk about like him slowly becoming the people's champion. Uh-huh. I think that's, like, also, like, setting the precedent. I think that, like, in a certain way, like, you want to talk about Kanye West saying some, say, declaring something rather than saying something, like, you would, like, oh, this is a gospel album, or, like, it's this and that without actually putting the work in, like, I think that kind of also comes into play, where, like, just by having that song first kind of, like, makes up for not actually saying it sometimes later in the album. Yeah. Yeah, I can buy that. Uh, also, Gold Diggers on this album, for those who don't know. Uh, and then, of course, Drive Slow, which has yeah. a, which has a really nice uh, slowdown part, which is a, a tribute to the late DJ Screw, who very mm-hmm. much took tracks and then did slowdown RPM versions of them later. I love Drive Slow. Yeah, like that's that, and I just it's that just, might be one of the best things on here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring me down with Brandy. I'm less a fan of. But yeah, I mean, this is an album that, especially that back end, surprises me. Late, I actually wound up enjoying a lot more on my other listen and gone has always been a favorite oh dude late is like i know i've said favorite i've that. said a favorite a lot but like late like when we get to the end like i will mm. say is one of my favorite kanye west songs ever always has been like even though it's like pretty simple like it's like still back to a sample stuff like uh-huh. i don't know like that one is like oh, 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 oh. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, but there, I mean, that and Gone, like, it's it's so solid, but then, I mean, Celebration I'm not as big fan of, but... Really? Uh, I'm a big fan I, of really? Celebration. Okay. Yeah, Celebration yeah. really, uh, that was a, really stuck out to me um, as a, a big highlight on this one. Especially oh. the way the synths kind of, the way the synths blend with the horns yeah, on there. Like, I, think, I love like, that. The, like, I think that's a really strong example of, like, one... John Byron's composition blends total blends perfectly with it. And what I actually love about John Bryan, Brian, whatever, I'm not sure. I only used him. John Bryan. John Bryan. Um, John Bryan. So uh, <laughs> that's how. It, <laughs> John Bryan. Uh, John Bryan. Um, no, but like, okay. I, what I love about his compositions in that album is that, and I think what really makes it stronger than like, because people, other rappers have had like an orchestra just play over yeah, yeah. stuff. It's not the newest concept at the time, but what I think makes it work so incredibly well is how it's arranged like samples. All yeah. the little compositions are like basically little samples that work in with his own thing. To the extent that I thought that they were samples. Yeah. yeah I just assumed that they were all samples still on this record. And, like, I think that's what separates it from most albums that, like, typically get, like, an orchestra, get an orchestra, instead of it just being, like, oh, let's, like, make it sound, like... That's what Yeah, more classical. Like, no, it's, like, you... It's now an instrument. It's, like, like, yeah, it's now more, like, a a piece of it rather than just to brighten it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Ugh, I know. So... 
<sighs> Guys, this puts us in a bind. This puts us in a tough bind because we... Do either of you have a nomination for number three? Do you have a problem putting my beautiful dark twisted fantasy there? Here's the thing. Normally, and this is such a terrible and weird thing to say, it's like, I think I would if it wasn't up against these two albums. Like, right. I think if no, we, totally. like, did the thing in a different order and somehow, like, you know, graduation mm-hmm. light restrictions lower, I would have been like, how can it not be? But since we're up against these two, yeah, I definitely did not see this coming. Yeah. But I feel weirdly okay with it's putting just, it at number three. It has, it has some really long weak tracks i think that's its biggest issue is not yeah. just it's not just that it has some weaker songs on it it's that those weaker songs are seven on minutes long mm-hmm. you know and that's like like three of them yeah. are they just take up so much and space. also other than being his most critically acclaimed and i think like being like yeah, most and crit- it is like uh okay yeah, i think a certain amount of it what like it's re- I, I don't know. It's it's so hard to like factor in like what influences your decision on this. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, again, we're going. Listen, the, people come to the chartographers for wildly erratic and not well rationalized opinions, and we are bringing. That I think right it's all come for the fun. I think yeah. it's also it's so weird for me because I think uh, I think like the highlights on Twisted Fantasy, I think for me are a little bit stronger than the highlights of Graduation. Just, yeah. But also, I think Graduation is a little bit tighter, and I sometimes and, pull more from the vibe of Graduation. And a Graduation is by far my most played Kanye album. I same. Huh. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I would definitely say it's tight. Like it's one of those things where like it's a summer album, but it's like also just a loose and and fun and sometimes the production on it. Can we talk about flashing lights for a hot flashing, second? Uh, Can we talk about it's my favorite good life? Track. I mean, yeah. just that welcome to the good life. Yeah, exactly. that's just right. like the, well, and that's like the height of T Pain. Oh you, god, yeah. That's like one well, of the. You want to say like like done. predict like. I don't like Kanye wise. always wants to say that he was like, oh, like MJ, like he went like in the ludicrous declarations huh. he's made. Uh, but like, I, I think he's more a little bit more like, he does have a certain Prince quality to him. Whereas I think like he recognized trends before they came a little bit, before he came, before he came, like before, like a little bit before they came and set them a little, a little bit better. Like he said like, oh, like what set the, tr- you know, this might be just a dumb thought that we've had after talking about Kanye for 80 minutes. But um, graduation, and he just touched on a little bit because we joked about how Life of Pablo is his Neil Young album, how 808s is his Tears for Fears album. Graduation <laughs> might be, and just hear me on this. What if that's his Michael Jackson album? Like kind of this pure pop escapist fantasy, but with some darker undertones, it's like a big pure pop sass- moment. Yeah, like and it's. It. I would, I would almost go with it. Because here's the thing. We talk about how Stronger was, of course, you know, the big number one single off it and Good Life was also pretty good. But you hear about Champion, the kind of the joyous mm. uplift, the rising sins yeah. on that. You hear about even uh, even uh, The good, Glory. Like, yeah. there was just such a... Or Good Morning, I think. Yeah. From, that's, remember earlier when I was going to say that No Church in the Wild was his best opener? Yeah. I was wrong. It's Good Morning. Yeah. Now, the, here's, the only, here's the only demerit I'm going to throw out there. Uh, the bad songs on here are bad, especially right in the middle. First off, when the album came out in 2007, a few weeks before, uh, like two weeks before it actually officially came out, it did leak. Uh, but then he's like, you know what, guys? I'm going to course correct this by throwing on a new song onto there. So threw onto the track list a little song called Barry Bonds featuring Lil Wayne. Take another hit, Barry Bonds. So Barry Bonds was actually one where, when I listened to it, because when I first heard the album... 
in 2007. Mm-hmm. I thought it was crap. Um, <laughs> really? It's, it's, Wait, really? But when I listened to it... Um, the song again, or the album? Oh, no, the song. Barry okay. Bonds. Okay, I thought you heard you say album. I was just like, whoa, whoa, yeah. Barry no. Bonds, also, if you, if you check out in those places, is probably one of the most universally disliked songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... But I think it's because of uh, Wheezy. I think Lil Wayne ruins it. I think that Kanye's verse and the production that he gives enough. it... The production's fine enough. And that's... So uh, there are two problems with Barry Bonds. Wayne's verse is, is terrible. Absolutely terrible. And... It doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It like yep. has the yep. it has the mm-hmm. like hints of going somewhere when that organ comes in and there's like the big horn part. And I think that instead of having a Wayne verse, he should have taken that production and, and had like, like a it. second half yeah. of I, the song and he just didn't do that. I'm a big fan of the hook. I just like I just like yeah. when here's another hit, Barry Bonds. I mean, and I, then yeah, I can't I can't yeah. really yeah. Other than but the, then he follows that up with a song called Drunk, Drunk and Hot Girl. Drunk and Hot Girls. La, da, 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 da. It's so bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, so... it's just it's just well, that's it, like the stone in its pocket as it's, it's being a, weighed down Virginia Wolf like to the bottom of the pit. Can, it's utilized. It's made from a can sample, and yeah. it's like I don't like more it because, like a can't sample. And like instead of like adding anything to it. Like he just like it's instead of singing like the German words, he just like kind of adds like a bunch of like because he because he misheard it as drunken hot girls when he first like listened to this German album. He's just like, shit, I gotta make a song based out of that. And it's like, oh, do, do you do you have to do that? Uh, but then you have that. You have Homecoming. You have a whole bunch of other Big Brother uh, glory. I actually like Big Brother because that's very much you have to be in the know a little bit. But yeah, no, I think I it's fucking, I love Glory. Like you want to talk about like oh songs God. that like give you like. Yeah, that's the thing is that I think I think he has I mean, he's always had like big fun gospel moments. His in a biggest like, like a his biggest hero. happiest moments I feel like are on graduation. Yeah. I think the thing what I love most about him comes from like the things I like why like I will become one of those weird people that like wants to defend him to the grave up until life of Pablo. Um <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, like, why you want to defend him is because you're like, like, he, like, when he's in that moment, like, he's the people's champion, hence by the yeah. song champion. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like, he did change, like, stand up, stand like, what did, like, he he did change done. the game. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the people were done with that. Like, you could talk They were about done more. with 50 Cent style rap, and they're ready to move on to something. And on top of yeah. that, the production, the production, like, got away, like, where it's done, like, all, like, the hip hop norms just being sample based or just like, or like, Whatever, like, traditional norms there is, like, now, like, we're, production had gotten more, uh, like, a little bit more, like, uh, more, you know, more detailed. Like, like you're not using, like, weird kind of synths, yeah. and you could throw in more think, influences. And, I like, think... you could make the argument, like, I couldn't tell you why Graduation isn't the most important Kanye West album. Yeah. No, that's, that's All a right. very good point. I think it is the, I mean, it's my pick for number one. I'm just gonna say that right now. It's... You know what? Now that we've talked about it, and now that we've delved into both albums a little bit, guys, let's call it. Let's go ahead and do a reverse order of what we just have. Guys, we have at number eight, The Life of Pablo. At number seven, Watch the Throne. At number six, Jesus. At number five, 808s and Heartbreak. Number four, The College Dropout. Number three, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Number two, 
late registration, and the number one Kanye album, Graduation. I actually feel really good about that list. I can I can sleep on I can sleep with that. <laughs> yeah. I can sleep in that and not be too sad. <laughs> right, yeah. Jeez, oh man, guys. That was that was intense. Yeah. That was we got into it. We were on site for a lot of it. And, uh, yeah, we yeah. were we that was our I feel like our most in depth discussion oh, yeah. of like production choices and song structure and the but, artists to themselves mm-hmm. and their cultural impact. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? We're not done. We're not done. We're not done because right after this, as always, we have a happy hour podcast for our guys. We're going to talk about a whole lot more. So in the meantime, uh, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If, uh, when we recorded this, this is the longest one that we ever did. So your patience yeah. is appreciated. We hope you weren't too bound to keep listening. We really uh, don't. But uh, I just want to keep it. <laughs> and we hope that you listened to St. Pablo. We don't hope that. No, we don't. We listen to the podcast. Hey! Hey! <laughs> More terrible Paris, in Paris, and going gorillas. Terrible, terrible Kanye impressions to follow on the Happy Hour mini so You're listening to Chartaga. Uh, put the pussy in a sarcophagus. Thank you, Thank you for listening. We're gonna keep on listening. Bye guys. Bye. 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 Bye.